Are you wandering in the wilderness? Or are you a voice in the wilderness? Welcome to the Revival Cry podcast. This is your host, Eric Miller. Isaiah 40 verse 3 says, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The goal of this podcast is to encourage you to use the voice God has given you to make Jesus famous. Every week, we will share principles from the Word of God, interviews, and encouragement in order to strengthen your voice. Thank you for joining me today. And now here is today's podcast. I want to talk to you today about do you hear the groanings? Do you hear the groanings? Yesterday, when, or a couple days ago when I was in prayer and just praying about, Lord, what do you want to do? I had a whole other message and then I felt like a suddenly, how many of you like those suddenlies of the Lord? Where he just kind of came in the room and began to really burden me and cause me to pray in the spirit, to worship, and just groan and just sense that God was doing something more. And you know, maybe some of you have prayed a prayer like this many years ago when I was living in upstate New York where I grew up before I moved to Delaware and became a youth pastor and that whole thing took place. And then I got saved. I kind of did it backwards. Most of you know that story. Anyway, go into the ministry after you're saved. That's what I'm saying, okay? Um, You're right with God. Don't don't do it after if you don't have to. And... And, and, and so where I was growing up, I remember somebody handing me Keith Green's uh, book called No Compromise, which if you have never read that book, uh, you need to read that book, along with reading the book Torture for Christ by Richard Wormbrandt, uh, the founder of Voice and the Martyrs, of the Mar- Voice of the Martyrs, yes. And as I was reading Keith Green's book and listening to his music, which is like from the late 70s, early 80s, so if you don't like that style, um, I'd still encourage you to listen to it. My son listens to it all the time. (laughs) Not because it's the best music that, you know, uh, floats his boat being in the 2022, but there's a message in it. And, and, and that message was gripping my heart many years ago in the mid-90s. And I blurted out a prayer to God. And I said, I want to see what you see. I want to hear what you hear. I want to feel what you feel. I want to taste what you taste. I want to smell what you smell. And it just kind of blurted out of me. And I know I've heard other people say things like that. But there's something about when you're in a place of prayer and you're not just praying for your own needs to be met or just wanting to have a nice fuzzy feeling to walk away with, but that you begin to be gripped with the presence of the Lord and you begin to understand what intercession is, what what laying your life down in prayer means. And I believe God was drawing me to a place of prayer because he was trying to lay a strong foundation in my heart so that I can experience him in a way that I genuinely hunger for him and he can meet my needs. But even more than that, God wants us to be used by him to meet the needs of those around us. And how many of you know that 
uh, I, I believe we, we love to quote the scripture, you know, I want to do the things that Jesus did and, and even greater. And most of the time when we, we quote that, we're quoting about miracles and healing, right? And deliverance and all those wonderful things that are kingdom things to do. But do you know what Jesus has been doing for 24-7? He's been in a posture of prayer. Yeah. And before he left, he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Yes. If we don't look like Jesus, if we only look like Jesus by what we read, but we don't look like him in intercession, then we will never see happen what we read about happen. We have to do what Jesus did in secret if we want to do what Jesus did in public. A good indication of how our relationship with the Lord has matured is how renewed our physical senses have become submitted to what God is doing in us spiritually. If our eyes stray and struggle with lust, then there needs to be some more maturity. Job said, I made a covenant with my eyes to not look upon a woman or a man lustfully. And see, we want to be used by God, but if we want the power of God to be evident in and through our lives, then we have, need to have this secret life with the Lord. We need to have this genuineness with God so that He can entrust to us the things that He desires already to do through us so that when we get out there, we're not drawing attention to ourselves because of some supernatural thing that God did. I'm for training people and equipping people, but I think we need to really get away from always having to be on a platform. And we need to, you know, you know why people go to Mozambique? It's because a lot of the time, the big crusade people, they won't go to places like that. That's good. And, and I'm not saying there's not a position for all these different parts of the body. There's different gifts, there's different callings. God calls people and sets people where He wills. We're not the ones to judge and to say you should do this or not do that. Oh, we, we need to challenge each other, I believe, by living lives devoted to the Lord. But why do people lay their life down for the gospel? It's not popular. It's not, it's not popular to go out and leave your family and your beautiful kids behind and know that this could be the day that you go meet Jesus. But it's equally not popular to become a man or a woman of prayer. And I would dare say that anybody who goes and lays their life down for the gospel, you will see a trail of intercession and prayer in their life. But you won't see that in the life of a backslider. You won't see that in the life of somebody who just tries to inch their way to get into heaven and squeeze their way in. I mean it. I prayed the prayer. I went to church. I paid my tithes. Really? See, that's all we're telling people nowadays. And that's why people are not willing to lay anything down for Jesus. And this is why the gospel's not going to certain places or it got to certain places. 
places. And, and you know, sometimes our Western civilization, which we try to think is the pinnacle of, of what God created, I want to tell you, there's some poor Filipinos I know. I'm sure there's some poor Tanzanians that they know who are rich in kingdom understanding. Yes. Who have a doctrine of intercession and prayer. People who know how, how Jesus has swept them off their feet and there's nowhere else that they can go because they have heard things in the Spirit that they wouldn't hear anywhere else. Charles Spurgeon said that groanings which cannot be uttered are often prayers which cannot be refused. When I, when I began to learn how to pray, I used to pray, I, I heard the, the ACTS acronym of prayer. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. I never knew what supplication meant. What it meant. And, and I, was, I would always go through this religious thing, not that it was all bad, but I would go through this thing because I didn't understand the value of praying in the Spirit. Yeah. But then when I began to pray in the Spirit and edify myself and recognize that there is a tremendous gift that the Holy Spirit has given to us as believers, it isn't just so we can put a sign on the front of our church and say, look, we're Pentecostal. We're charismatic. We have the full of the Spirit. You guys don't. I have Baptist friends that I know who have laid down their, their lives for the gospel. And they never spoke in tongues one time. And I know Pentecostals and Charismatics who say they speak in tongues but wouldn't do anything to pick up a towel and wash somebody's feet. Psalm 115 verses 3 through 8. But our God is in heaven. He does whatever He pleases. Their idols are silver and gold. The work of men's hands. They have mouths but do not speak. They have eyes but do not see. They have ears but do not hear. Noses they have but they do not smell. They have hands but they do not handle. Feet they have but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in idols. In other words, if idolatry is the focus of our worship, then our senses will not be renewed to groan in the things of the Spirit. And, and, and if our focus is on the Lord, and He is everything to us, He is not only our Savior, but He is Lord, He's the Master, He's the Ruler, we, we know that He's our God and He does whatever He wants, as the psalmist said, then we know that when we worship Him, we will become like Him. And becoming like Jesus is becoming a man or a woman of prayer. Becoming like Jesus is not just gaining the right theology, but it's being able to interpret that theology by the Holy Ghost. If you know the Bible and you can and have it memorized, but you don't have the Holy Spirit, or you don't pray in the Spirit, you don't keep in step with the Spirit, then our knowledge is going to be limited. Why not just be in tune with the author? 
How many books do you have where you know the author? And not only know the author, but he lives with you. He walks with you. Every single day, he speaks things in your heart and to your mind. The more that you learn the language of the word of God, the more you're able to interpret when he's speaking to you. I do believe God speaks to us. I do believe he speaks loud and clear. But I believe the reason that we don't hear him is because we don't know his word. And the more we know his word, when he speaks to us, we say, that's God. That's not my flesh. That's not the enemy. That's not the opinion of somebody else. I believe part of the reason the Lord has given us an ability to speak in tongues is so that we can listen, identify, and respond to the groanings of what is happening around us. The time for revival and awakening is now. Amen. God desires to birth new life and transform everything in us and around us. Just as women cry out in giving birth, so we release the sound of kingdom groaning. Many in the church have no idea that the sounds of groaning which are taking place around them. They really don't. If you can go to church every week, you can give, you can serve, you can do all these things and totally not be in tune with the voice of God. Yes. I remember Steve Hill during a Brownsville revival would say this at the end during an altar call most of the time. He says, you can go to hell with baptismal waters dripping off of your face. Yes. You can go to hell and be the evangelist of the Brownsville revival. You can go to hell and be the pastor of the Brownsville Assembly of God Church. And his whole point is, you can know all about God but not know Him. See, knowing the Lord doesn't mean I pray a prayer back here and I know I'm saved by faith because that's what I've been told, but that I walk with Him and I talk with Him and I constantly hear Him say that I belong to Him. Yes. I, am, I incline my ear to hear His voice. I always recognize that His arm is not too short to reach me, but I have to listen to His voice. I have in tune with God. It's not an option for us to be out of sync with the Lord. And I know that many of us, we may be in different places of maturity and we're growing in our knowledge of the Lord and of the Word and our surrender to it. But here's the fact of the matter. We need to set our standards at the same level that Jesus walked. We don't compare ourselves to our neighbor. We don't compare ourselves to the pastor. We don't compare ourselves to the missionary. We compare ourselves to Jesus. We walk with him just like he walked with his father. Until we become a house of prayer, our ears will not be sensitive to the needs around us. Some of us, you know there's homeless Christians? I'm not just talking about people on the streets. I'm talking about people who have invited the Lord to come in, but then they don't allow him to take out the old furniture that he doesn't want in there anymore. Or rearrange their thinking, or how they use their time, or how they spend their money, or what they do with their life. They don't allow him to interpret who 
or how you should raise your kids according to the Word of God, whether people agree with it or not. I'm grateful that my wife and I had a cornerstone laid in our lives during the Pensacola revival, and God built upon it, and then He challenged us to love each other as we love ourselves, and then He challenged us to lovingly correct our kids as they grow up, and now our kids hear from God. It didn't happen by accident. We're not a perfect family. But I will tell you this, when you begin to listen to the groanings of what's happening around you, and you begin to sense that your life has a greater purpose than just living to fulfill your own destiny and calling and be used by God. Maybe your life and my life is to lay ourselves down in such prayer to where nobody knows our name. To where nobody, you know, puts us on a platform, but we're willingly to be, we're willing to be satisfied with Jesus and Him alone. Those who hear, hear the sounds of groaning, desperation, will have their hearts gripped. Groaning is not only crying out, but releasing the pure sound only an infant can produce. What does that mean? Well, God responds to need. Part of the reason why we groan in the Spirit is because if God were to show us everything that we needed to pray about, it would be too much for us. We're not omniscient, all-knowing. We're not omnipresent everywhere. Only God is like that. And so the only logical solution for us to be able to pray out what is on the heart of God is to groan. Tell me how you're going to fix the Philippines. Tell me how you're going to fix Tanzania. Tell me how you're going to see all of Japan come to Jesus. Tell me how Italy is going to hear the gospel more and above religion. Tell me how the political situation is going to change in America. Tell me how racism is going to be knocked down. Tell me how these things are going to change. I will tell you, a church and it's on its face and groaning. A church that is awakened to the reality of the groanings that are taking place around them. I know this is the holiday season, but I'm so sick of coming to the end of each and every year and saying, oh, it's the holiday season, let's back off. Look, I'm not against resting. When we go back to the Philippines in December, there's not going to be a whole lot that we're going to do in the Philippines in December. I'm all for resting and taking a break. We've been traveling for three years. I'm looking forward to getting out of a piece of luggage. But I will tell you this, there's no way when I go on vacation of any sort, whether it be a day or a week or more, that I'm gonna leave Jesus behind. Amen. It's just not gonna happen. It can't happen. There's too much at stake. How many people understand that they have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying? How many people are so in tune with God that they wake up in the morning with Jesus on their lips? And they say, Jesus, I've got to meet with you today. I can't do anything else. I have to hear from you. And then he comes upon you in a suddenly way and he says, groan with me. Infants are the neediest of all people. And at the end of our lives, when we die, we should not be in need anymore. We shouldn't be. And why? Because we shouldn't be afraid to die. I've not been at that point. But I will tell you this. 
that the more I've seen God respond to my needs, and then I respond to His needs, and His groaning in and through my life, it, it makes no difference what I have at the end of my life, in my pocket, in my bank account. It makes no difference what if people know my name. What matters is, am I standing before God in total surrender? Surrender is not just, don't just think about surrender in the moment. Think about surrender as a lifestyle. I want to I wanna build up years of surrender that when I get to the end of my life, the only thing I have to do is die. Until we need the Lord, our groanings will not result like the sound God is looking for. How does groaning help us? In Romans 8.26, Paul says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Very rarely do I pray in English. Sometimes I do it. There's just something on my mind I just can't get off, and I'll pray it out loud to the Lord. But I have trained myself, or the Holy Spirit has trained me, to pray in the Spirit so much that I don't just get focused on my needs, but I know that when I pray and I labor, and He visits me and He helps me to pray out what He wants me to pray, then when I leave that posture of prayer, and which we never, hopefully, technically ever leave it, maybe the physical location, but we stay in a place of prayer, no matter where we are or what we're doing, Somebody asked Smith Wigglesworth once, they said, how much do you pray? And he says, I never pray more than a half hour, and I never go a half hour without praying. How do you do that? Make my life a prayer to you. Make my life a life of intercession. I want to groan when I'm driving. I want to, I want to intercede, and I want to be broken when I'm reading the news. I want when I go to Walmart to have a sensitive spirit about me for the people that are around me. So what type of groanings are there that we can be listening to? First of all, the groanings of creation. Romans 8.22 For we know that the whole of creation groans and labors with birth pains un together until now. Creation is groaning around us. Groaning for what? In Romans 8, it continues to say that the sons of God would be revealed. What does that mean? That means that you and I would know who we are in Christ. That the fullness of what Jesus purchased for us, we would release to our life. We wouldn't hold anything back from Him. It's a terrible thought. To think I can just go to church and do all the right things and that's all God wants for me in my life. But it's okay for Jesus to go and lay his life down. And it's okay for us to read stories. We get Voice of the Martyrs uh, newsletter or a little paper thing. I think it's every month. And you read about these people who are being martyred for their faith. Why is it okay for me to read that and not feel some responsibility? I'm not saying we need to just have a martyr's complex and think, where can I go have myself killed today? 
No, but what we're saying is that we should be so in love with Jesus so that should the opportunity come in our life where we can lay our lives down for the gospel, we do it like Stephen says, Father, don't hold this sin against them. The groanings of creation. The groanings of Jesus. These are the different sounds around us. In Hebrews 5, 7 it says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with feminine cries and tears, to him who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his godly fear. He was heard because he walked with his father. His godly fear. What does that mean, that we're afraid of God? No, that we understand that God is everywhere and we can't escape Him. Therefore, when we pray, it only makes sense for us to not only place our needs on the table before God, but to ask God, what is in your heart? Show me. How many of you are believing God for revival? You can put your hands down. Do we pray for revival? Do we groan for God to move in revival awakening? See, you know, guys, like we read about Leonard Ravenhill, we read about the Seafields, we read about these godly men and women. And I want to tell you something there's no shortcuts. Amen. These people heard the groanings. And they began to pray in alignment, in harmony with the groanings. And they, as they began to groan, they began to hear the sounds around them that were taking place. And they want to do what Jesus did. This is one of the things that Jesus did. The other groanings are of the lost. In Psalm 6.6, the psalmist says, I'm weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. You remember what it was like to be lost? You remember our brother was talking about how he used to have suicidal thoughts? Do you remember that? Do you remember what it was like when you would be so hopeless and depressed and you just put anything before your eyes and you go be with anybody and you just drink yourself to death and all these things? This is what this psalmist is talking about. There is a groaning of the lost. Do we hear them? Do we hear the sounds? Does it stir us? There's a groaning in the Philippines that I cannot get away from in my life. It doesn't matter where I am. I meet Filipinos somewhere and tears begin to go down my eyes. Not because I just love them more than anybody else, but God has put something in our heart. And when you're praying for people, when you're agreeing with the Holy Ghost and all of the kingdom of heaven for God to invade that nation with his presence, it's hard to ignore that. In fact, I pray that we never would ignore it. You remember the prodigal son, Luke 15, 17 through 19, but when he came to himself and to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. When I read that, I'm gripped with thinking that there's people who are really struggling with that. 
that they don't know that their father loves them so much and has actually been looking for them ever since the day that he, they fell away from him. See, we can hear these things, but do we groan about these things? Are we stirred up to a point to where we say, I cannot ignore what the Lord is saying to me in my life. The groanings of the poor. The groanings of the poor. Psalm 12 verse 5. Because the poor are plundered and the needy groan. I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. You know, there's so much poverty in the Philippines. That when we first got there, I didn't know how to respond to it. And we preached the gospel, we taught the word of God, we did good things, we tried to lead people to Jesus. But then the Lord challenged me one day, and he challenged me through a woman named Cheche, who was in our church. And she was out of her own money, which she maybe made $20, $30 a week. Out of her own money, she was feeding four or five kids, I believe it was, in the area where she lived, out of her own money, she was trying to feed them and give them something to eat. And I heard that, and I was stirred by that. And we had seen her come to the Lord, and her family was coming to the church, and all these things. And then the Holy Spirit spoke one day. And I didn't really have much of a ministry for kids. I said, that's my wife's job. <laughs> Not really realizing that that's the heart of the Father. And if I'm going to be a father, I need to learn how to have this heart. I need to love the poor. I need to love the orphan. I need to love the widow. I need to love the broken ones. And he said to me, he said, I want you to take this woman and make her the leader of your feeding program at that time. And then I want you to go to the U.S. and I want you to get 100 sponsors to feed 100 kids. I'm thinking, how's that going to happen? We're struggling enough as it is with our own support. You can get so focused on yourself until you get in a place of prayer. And then you lose sight of yourself. And you start to see what God sees and hear what He hears and feel what He feels. And so we're doing a little feeding program at the church now and we're giving her whatever money we had. And then one of our missionary friends, Mike Bailey, he brought a pastor friend of his that was visiting from uh, Louisiana. And this pastor loved the feeding program idea. And he says, man, this is so awesome. And the Lord had spoken to me, and this was the uh, beginning of September, that in October I was supposed to go to the States and raise money for sponsorships. For the hundred kids. I just I had no open doors. I didn't know what church, where to go. So this pastor says to me, he says, Man, I love this feeding program. It's so awesome. What's the possibility of you come to our church next month? I said, Really? I said, Yeah. Actually, the Lord's been speaking to me about that. So in his church, and then two other churches start to sponsor kids, and now we've been sponsoring kids for 17 years. And many of these kids have grown up 
and we've, our team has discipled them, and they are leading in our feeding program. In fact, now we have a program that goes, the feeding program kids go to about 12, 13 years old, and now we have a new group called Fire Starters, and then Fire Starters is up to about 15 years old, and then 15 to about 18, maybe 2021, 20, a few slides in there. You have a group called Burn, and it's a youth outreach. And now, after Burn, we have Fire School of Ministry. So our goal is to see kids in the feeding program one day grow up and go through Fire School of Ministry. And be trained and equipped and sent out maybe to Tanzania one day. I'm almost finished. The groanings of the church. In John 11, 38, it's when Lazarus was laid, raised from the dead. It says, And Jesus again, groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid against it. And I just get this image, this picture of Jesus coming to this immovable stone that, that he couldn't just move by himself and, and looking at it and just groaning in his spirit, not because of the stone that was there, but the stone of unbelief that was around and I believe the Lord wants revival more than we do. I believe God is groaning for revival in a place of intercession that, that the sons and daughters of God would rise up and, and be a people that cry out. Amen. The groanings of the martyrs. In Acts 22, 20, it says, And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, this is Paul the Apostle, I was also standing by, consenting to his death, and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Paul, who eventually laid his life down for the gospel, was first persecuting the gospel. You know, when we were in Italy, we ended up in Rome, we had two nights there, and we went to a prison. We, we went to Sicily, we went to Florence, we went to Naples, incredible, beautiful places, lots of incredible ministry. But my favorite place is a prison cell called the Mamatine Prison. And it's a place where Paul the Apostle was held. And while he was in that prison, it's two stories underground. And you go down there, and it's, it's damp, it's solid rock. There's nothing inviting about it. There's very little actual light that comes in. And this is where Paul the Apostle wrote the book of Timothy. This is where he wrote, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. This is where he wrote the letter to the Colossians, because he didn't actually go to the Colossians. He wrote from prison. This is where Paul the Apostle was held. And as my kids and I were there, our family was there, and we're hearing the stories about how God used Paul, and we remind ourselves of what Scripture was like. They tell us at that point as well in history, it tells us that Paul was taken by Nero, and he was beheaded from that dungeon. And then they buried him, his head separate from his body. We went to the Colosseum where over 3,000 people were martyred. 
There's other places where Nero and, and, and many more of the Roman emperors, they martyred so many Christians. Where for miles they would line up Christians and have them crucified. One next to another. Just a trail of blood. You see, we, we're talking about, you know, we, don't, we might not have the president that we elected in office. So we feel persecuted. We, we feel persecuted because people don't agree with us. Or somebody said something mean to us. Friend, we haven't seen that kind of, of attack against the church here in America yet. And is it coming? I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised because it seems like we're spiraling that way. And you know what? It's the wisdom of God to get His church to groan because we did not pray and groan when the time was right. I originally asked the Lord when I was in the Philippines for the first time and praying for revival. I said, Lord, send revival. And I felt like the Lord responded to me. Do you want revival in mercy or do you want revival in judgment? Because I want revival more than you. And I said, mercy. <laughs> But what if the church doesn't want to become a house of prayer? What if we just keep going and doing things our way? What if we don't keep exalting the Lord? What if we don't keep dealing with our sin? What if we don't do it? Then God will still fulfill His promise of pouring out His Spirit upon people that are hungry. But He may not use us. I want to be used by God. I want you to be used by God. I do not want to stand before God one day and be sitting at the table where martyrs sit for dinner that night, the marriage supper of the Lamb, and everybody talk about their stories of how their testimony of Jesus and, and what, what they did by laying their life down. I do not want to sit and say, Eric, how did you get here? Well, you know, I just kind of barely made it in. Didn't really have any real persecution in my life, but, you know, I, I, I struggled. You know, there were some things that I went through when I was younger. And, and, and listen, when we get to heaven, the best story we can have is being fully devoted to the Lord that I was a man or a woman of prayer in this life. That I was one who laid my life down for Jesus, if not physically, then spiritually. I do not want to stand in front of these other people one day and wish that I would have did something different. I'm almost finished. I know I said that already. But I'm almost, almost finished. The groanings of Israel. Talking about the different sounds we can be hearing as a church. Exodus 6.5 And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel whom the Egyptians keep in bondage and I have remembered my covenant. Let me just say this. God will never forget His covenant with Israel. Never. Israel is the apple of His eye. Israel is so important to God and should be to us as a church body. Because if they're not, then we have a misunderstanding of properly discerning 
who Israel is. Because if God doesn't keep his promises to Israel, he can't keep his promise to us. We got to hear that groaning. The groanings of the host of heaven. Last two. Revelation 4 8. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. I heard a minister once say that every time the angels cry out, Holy, they get a fresh revelation of how holy God is. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. There's a groaning in heaven. I find the more that we intercede and agree with Jesus who's in that posture of prayer and intercession, living to make intercession for us, that when we agree with Him, we begin to hear some things that we wouldn't normally hear where things begin to stand out to us a little bit more when we read the Word of God. We start to see how holy God is. And the groaning, have you ever groaned holy is the Lord? Lastly, the groanings of the great cloud of witnesses. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. There are people in heaven Oh, it's going to be wonderful. We're going to see people that we love that gave their lives to Jesus. But friends, there's a groaning. There's, there's probably a, a, a cheering noise in heaven. Every time a, a lost person gets saved. When we were in Hawaii this past year, it's very windy where we were in this massive tree with all these leaves. And every time the, the leaves would would be shaken by the wind, I would think of the great cloud of witnesses cheering and just shaking me, keeping me alert to what's happening. Friend, I know we can't see all these things. We can't hear all these things. Uh, maybe we, we can't smell them. We can't feel them. But here's the reality. The more that we walk in alignment with the Spirit of God, and the word of God, I promise you, you're going to begin to notice groanings around you. Thank you for listening to Revival Cry with Eric Miller. Please subscribe, rate, and write a review for this podcast on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. To find out more or partner with our missions work around the world, please visit us at revivalcry.org. I look forward to being with you next week.